A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The word of the Lord. Please bow your heads with me as I share one more brief word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And then the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's great to be with you this evening. And the title of my message is How Far? And I want to begin with this question. How far are you willing to go for love? Over the last month, my wife and I, we've been digging through the attic and picking through old boxes. And as we've picked through those old boxes, we've come across old pictures and notes. And not just any notes, love notes, okay? And it's gotten quite awkward. First, for a picture, uh, I met my wife. I met my wife in Chicago uh, in the mid-90s. We were both uh, in undergrad at Wheaton College. And uh, as we found this picture, she said, oh my goodness, you used to be so cute. <laughs> what? What, what? What are you saying, babe? And then, uh, and then as we were picking through pictures and the notes, I found some just awfully embarrassing notes. I'm going to read one tonight. Mind you, we had been dating two months, maybe two and a half when I wrote this. Dear Carly, beautiful girl, <laughs> I miss you so much. I haven't seen you in almost a week. And I feel, oh gosh, I feel incomplete without you. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. I love you so much. So much, exclamation point. I'm in St. Thomas with Brad, my cousin, and my parents. I really wish you were here. This is hilarious. Anyway, I'm gonna call you now. 
I want you here right now. I wish I was squeezing you right now. And then here's the next line. 1 Corinthians 13. That's it. Love is phenomenal. You are phenomenal. I am yours forever. Love, the worst. Peter Pan. For real. True. What is this garbage? What did I do? Gosh. So anyway, we had been dating for two, two and a half months, and she tells me she's scheduled to graduate and go be a missionary in South America. And she said, I don't know how that's going to impact our relationship. And I said to myself, I didn't say it out loud, that's going to that's gonna impact it a lot. I said, how long are you going? She said, three years. So the accelerator of my heart went boom, throttled down to the floor. And uh, I made a decision. I made a decision to ask for her hand in marriage in less than three months. So I traveled after the fall semester 1997. Uh, I traveled to Minneapolis from Chicago, basically to the North Pole. And that's where I met her dad. Um, <laughs> this guy put me through so many tests. Um, he was honestly a very scary individual. And then they came out with this movie about him. It's incredible. <laughs> and I just shared, hey, can we have a one-on-one -on -one moment? And he was a GC, general contractor. And he said, sure, I'll meet you at 5 a.m. at this diner. <laughs> so I woke up and I met him at the diner and he grilled me. And I said, can I have your permission to marry your daughter? And he goes, no. Um, she's a woman, she can make her own decisions. But her mother and I give you our blessing. And then I drove all the way from that meeting, all the way back home to Central Florida without, like, without staying overnight, 26 hours. And I just went all in. I, I started sending her flowers. I sent her flowers for 14 days in a row. She finally flew down to Florida and uh, I asked for her hand in marriage. And she said... Yes. You see, no matter the distance and no matter the cost, I was willing to do anything to show Carly my love. And I think this points to the Christmas story. You see, no matter the distance and no matter the cost, Christmas demonstrates that God is willing to do anything to show you his love. No matter the distance, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. Here, the creator of the cosmos, Jesus, one of the Godhead leaves his throne in heaven, descends down to earth and made his dwelling amongst us. In layman's terms, he came into the neighborhood. He set up a tent to be a presence of God with you and for me. Now, if you're young, this whole idea of Jesus coming the distance, it might be hard for you to understand. So I thought I'd share an illustration. This is a picture of Volvo Cup Stadium here on Daniel Island. 
And a few years ago, our staff, we went to a concert there. And one of our staff members loved this one person singing. And it was her dream to sing with this person, to meet this person. And in the middle of his concert, he jumps off the stage and she's in the middle of the ground uh, crowd and she, this guy's running around. And before you know it, he's right next to her. This is our Mel who's moved to California. He's right next to Mel. There's a spotlight on Mel and on Matt Carney and she's bobbing her head and he's singing his heart out and her dreams have come true. In that, it's just a subtle picture of God coming near in Jesus, coming from heaven to earth to be near you and to be with you. Luke chapter two, it says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will, that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. So no matter how far away you are, no matter the distance you feel, Jesus came for you. If you're someone with a lowly heart or a lucky heart or somewhere in between, this applies to you. There are two people groups there at the manger. There's the shepherds. They're the lowest of the low in the nation of Israel. Then you have these magi, these wealthy outsiders coming in, being brought into the fold. So if you have a lowly heart, a lonely heart, a longing heart, a lucky heart, this good news, this Jesus, it's for you. He is for you. And no matter the cost, God is willing to do anything to show you his love. It reminds me of a story my dad, he was a car dealer. He thought it was a great idea to let me borrow a demo to go out with some of my friends. And it happened to be a four-wheel drive demo. Now, I grew up in this podunk town in Central Florida where all there was to do was go to the orange groves and go mudding or go to the lakes and go fishing. Any other small town people in this room? Can you relate? So my friend said, let's go mudding. And I said, great, I got my dad's demo. It's four by four. So we headed out down the lake easy to go mudding. Before you know it, I got stuck. And my friend Jack, he's like, we'll tow you out. He had one of those lifted trucks, big old tires. So he ties a tow strap to the front left side of the vehicle and they just start jerking the vehicle hard, like boom, boom. And I'm, I'm thinking, oh, I hope this goes well. We finally get out. He's like, you're welcome. I said, thank you. I drive home only to discover that the vehicle is going to the left drastically. I tell my dad, he says something might be wrong. Sure enough, they get into the shop. I've bent the entire frame of the vehicle. He tells me they might have to total it. And I say, dad, I'm so sorry. He goes, I know you're sorry. You didn't mean to do this, but there's still a price to pay. It's gonna cost us a lot. You see, Jesus didn't come to simply give his love. He came to give his life for you and for me. The apostle Paul says it like this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know, the bottom line is we make a mess of life, don't we? In that mess, Jesus shows up. In Philippians chapter two, we read these words, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God 
as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. The point is, no matter how broken you are, Jesus came for you. Whether you have a broken life, whether you have a body that's breaking down, whether you're facing a broken home, whether you have broken dreams. You see, no matter the distance and no matter the cost, Christmas demonstrates that God is willing to do anything to show you his love. Do you believe that? And how do we respond to that? Let's go back to our story. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You see, like the Magi, we are called to pure joy in full surrender. These were wise men, affluent people from outside the nation of Israel that had come with a whole entourage to celebrate the birth of this king that they'd heard long about. In an act of joy, in an act of surrender, they bring their gifts. This is an act of reverence. You're the great king, the king of kings, the Lord of your lords, and you welcome us. What can I give him? Poor as I am. If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? I can give him my heart. So wherever you're at tonight, whatever gap you think there is between God and you, whatever brokenness you're carrying, I pray that the love of Jesus would saturate you and fill you, that you would know he has closed the gap, that we are a people of hope and love and promise because of the Christmas story. What can we do? We can lean into joy and we can bow the knee and we can worship together right now in this place. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son to close this distance, close the gap. No matter the cost, I'm reminded that the title King of the Jews was proclaimed here at the beginning of Matthew and at the end of Matthew as the placard hung over the cross. There is nothing that will separate us from your love. We come to you. We surrender to you. Thank you for this love. In Jesus' name, amen.